Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. And today on the show, I have with me dear, lovely friend, who uh, uh, I've known since kindergarten. We had the same class. That's crazy. I don't remember that at all. Oh, oh I, I remember. <laughs> you were fucking there. <laughs> I believe you. Yeah. Well, yeah, kindergarten, Heather Hill Elementary School. Yeah. Uh, but then I wouldn't see them for... Uh, until middle school again, and uh, we, uh, I think that we kind of butted heads a little bit in middle school, high school. Did we? Uh, I think you and I were just like, we sashed each other. Oh, yeah. Stuff. Well, nothing has changed there. No, not at That's all. That's all the same. Same, same old. Um, but uh, they uh, have, uh, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you uh, uh, say exactly what your degree was in. Oh, yeah. It was a degree in international studies in Spanish with a minor in Latin American studies. Thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, they are uh, very passionate um, about uh, uh, such um, issues uh, involving U.S. foreign policy, uh, among other things. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, their passions and why they love doing what they do. So, Issa Bobo Isle Dempsey, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ben Slowey. Oh my god. Full name. <laughs> you yeah, I did. Um, well, how are you? Um, I am I am well. I'm honestly still in recovery from my birthday. Um, oh yeah, how was that? Two days ago. It was it was good. Um it was calm but also kind of hectic at the mm. same way. A lot happened. Sure. Um but it was fun. Um Was it like uh was it a mix of like a lot of different things or it, it just it like kind of went in a direction that i was not expecting but not in a bad way hmm. so it's good things it will be a memorable birthday i will say that that is good thank you so much <laughs> i'm glad uh 24 is uh, off, <laughs> off on the right foot uh, wait didn't you just have your birthday too that's it's in two oh, weeks yeah, January 11th. <sighs> hey, cap season. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I love it. Cap gang. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, well, I haven't seen you in like a year. Yeah. Or so, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, you finished school. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, so uh, you went to school in Seattle, and um, uh, word on the street is uh, you weren't so fond of it. No. Um... <laughs> Tell me why. So there's this thing uh, called the Seattle Freeze. Okay. Um, and that's a term that people use to describe Seattle lights because they can be very distant and very cold, um, which I found to be extremely true, mm. especially being from Chicago, which I find is like a very warm and welcoming place. And like the people are very helpful and forthcoming. Um, like the kind of culture shock compared to that was a lot uh and it was really hard to find friends. Seattle was very clicky, mm -hmm. so uh, just kind of like highbrow, like uppity kind of thing. Pretentious. Very pretentious. Very pretentious. Like uh, if if basically like Portlandia as as a place. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I'm glad to be back home. For sure. sure. Well, um, well, let's get him. I mean. It, 
must feel good that you you know you did your part there. Were you at least like happy to have like? Did you feel like you grew a lot? I grew, yeah, like unbelievably, um, because I had so many first experiences in Seattle and like at SU at Seattle University where I went to school. Um, and I did make a lot of lifelong friends there that like I miss dearly. Um, From so, all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my closest one is from Portland. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, but, yeah, most of them are local, actually, now that I think of it. But, uh, because I, like, I had moved there, um, and then after the first quarter at SU, I moved to Mexico for, like, what was it, like, seven and a half months oh, for wow. my study abroad. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so it was just, like, a really quick turnaround yeah. for, of events and, like, a lot of moving around. Um, but that was, like, probably the most formative um few months in my life sure. have like made me into who I am right now which is amazing for better for worse yeah <laughs> it's like depends on which department of me exactly yeah. but yeah it was good sure. I love SU for sure like I think I got a really good education there um I'm now pro-Jesuit because it's a Jesuit school oh wow so I okay. have a lot of positive emotions toward Jesuits now interesting yeah that's that's funny, because, um, you know, any school with any religious, uh, like, connotation tends to get a bad rep. No, for sure. But that's the thing about the, Je like, do you know anything about Jesuits as well, a sect? Marquette and Loyola, yeah. I know, are Jesuits. But I don't, I mean, I know that it's, like, not, you know, it's obviously, it's still, like, treated as, like, a pretty traditional college campus. But it's, <coughs> but, like, there's, like, um... Like, is there, like, some theology or something? Or, like, yeah, I guess, how does it work? So, the thing about the Jesuits that sets them apart from other, like, like religious or Christian um, sects is that they really focus on spreading knowledge. And, like, they're very open-minded and liberal. And, mm -hmm. like, they really care m mainly about the pursuit of knowledge rather than promoting, like, religious ideology. Um, so... Good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good. That's how I was like, so I wouldn't ever go to, like, a Catholic school, but, like, the Jesuits yeah. were really, they're really chill. Um, so, chill. Yeah. <laughs> Pro-Jesuit. Uh, more or less. Like, sure. obviously. Right. I want to fist fight my president, but... <laughs> Tends to happen. Yeah. That's amazing that, like, it, it was so, like, open-minded and kind of, like, embraced that diversity, it sounds like. I guess I should clarify that, like, SU is still an institution, so, like, the faculty, or not the faculty, the president and, like, the administration were still kind of bullshit, but, like, the culture of, like, pursuing knowledge um, and mm. wanting to be diverse was really present in, present in the uh, student body. Sure. And so it was the students that were really embracing and, like, showing that um, initiative, um, so... Awesome. Yeah, not so much the president. We tried our best to hold him accountable. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not following the Jesuit tradition in the yeah. way that you're acting, but, like... Well, that, yeah, that tends to happen. With yeah. Governments, uh, small and large, mm -hmm. you know, as, as we've seen, as we continue to see... Hate them. <laughs> yeah. <Anti>. Yeah, <laughs> Just, like, not that. No. Whatever the opposite of that is. Um, so, um... So, Isabo, I guess on that note, um, mm -hmm. I'm interested in hearing a little bit about, like, kind of where 
this passion and drive to like you know fight for what's right in the world like really started manifesting in you growing up like what made you want to start pursuing it that's such a good cue um i feel like i've always been really interested in politics just because of hmm I think my older sister, my older sister is very involved in politics and she uh, is an anarchist and like Yante. she's- Yes, Yante. Shout out to Yante. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so just like her very vocal uh, mm. interest in politics and stuff like that was obviously influential on me as somebody who grew up looking up to her. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like the formation of my own political drive really started in Mexico um, because when I was like talking to locals and saying like I'm half Central American or whatever the tension between Central Americans and Mexicans is so so fucking strong and I had never encountered that before um, and so a lot of Mexicans would be like oh well you're basically you're basically Mexican like Belize is right next to Mexico and like you were yeah. once part of it blah 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 like no and so that like having to kind of flesh out my relationship with that part of my identity and then like understanding um, the dynamic um, really made me want to like delve deeper into it and mm -hmm. really like fighting on the side of marginalized people even within other marginalized groups because yeah. I feel like there's layers that people don't totally. really comprehend at times so right like division within mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah there's there's a lot of that, like, yes. which I've, <clears throat> I mean, which, like, as I myself have kind of learned at at, a, at my own pace of, like, you know, demonstrating allyship and, you know, standing up for the rights of the disenfranchised, you do mm -hmm. see that, mm -hmm. you know, like, where, and, you know, and it, I mean, I get it, like, there's never, you'll never find, like, a universal consensus over, like, mm -hmm. what's, what is, like, the right answer for, like, how to best suit this community, but, yeah, like, even just speaking on behalf of the Jewish community, you know, yeah. there's a lot of division, you know, within, like, what is real anti-Semitism and what uh -huh. isn't, or what's the proper way to acknowledge, you know, these attacks on Jews that have been happening for, I mean, they've been happening since history, but especially, like, the last couple of years as they're so publicized now. Like, <clears throat> there's Jews that are saying, oh, we need to have cops in, in synagogues. E. Right. But then that rules out, like, well, what about how do you think Jews of color feel? Exactly. You know? Exactly. But then it's like, well, what about just gun control, you know, like, let's just make a stricter, uh, stricter gun laws, like, or, you know, uh, you know, there's, I mean, um, and like, you know, there, there'll be all kinds of raised voices over what's, what is mm -hmm. the best thing to deal with this, but, mm -hmm. but you're, like, I, I totally get what you mean. And like, what's so frustrating, the thing that, what you just said, call to mind is like the um, tension within the LGBT community, whether or not like we should be collectively reclaiming queer or not. Um, and that's like such mm -hmm. a debate over like, should it just be the mm -hmm. queer community or should yeah. it like we be respectful of people that don't yeah. want to reclaim that slur? Mm -hmm. um, and it's just like so goddamn frustrating. How do you feel about the word? I, I use it to describe myself. Um, 
just because I feel like it's a really simple catch-all um, because my identities are just kind of like, uh, don't care. Um, but I would never apply to somebody that I didn't know explicitly reclaimed it and I would never call it the queer community because it's not, it's the LGBT community um, because not everybody wants that slur to apply to them because it is a slur mm -hmm. and it like has been weaponized against people in yeah. really harmful ways. Right. So I think it costs zero dollars and zero cents to just be respectful of people's wishes, but apparently that's not that easy. <laughs> yeah. um, but right. like what's so <coughs> fucking aggravating about this being a debate is that like we're so focused on like intercommunity fighting that we're losing track mm -hmm. of what we should be uniting against. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just totally. like, oh, guys, come on. Yeah, right, yeah. Dude. It's like we're, there's no progress, there's no forward. No. It's like we're still on square one over like. We're stuck. We're stuck on right. like, I mean, it is an important conversation to have, but like in conjunction with other things that we need to be focusing on. But today. people are allocating right. so much emotion exactly. towards something. Yeah. That is so fair. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I feel that. I I have actually, that's been something I've been interested. I have, I've asked a couple of my friends from the LGBTQ plus community about how they feel about the word. And it seems like, <coughs> excuse me, a, a lot of, the majority of folks I talk to don't care if people that are not part of the community use it. But... It can still easily be used as a slur. Um, Interesting. Yeah, but I mean, I just but I respect whatever makes them comfortable. Whoever right. I'm around, like they, where they'll use it to describe themselves, they'll use it to describe the community. But clearly, yeah, like you know, you may see yeah. it a different way. Yeah, and like that's, I I will also say that I definitely think that anybody that's not LGBT should not be saying that word. Mm. In the same one way that somebody who's not black shouldn't be saying the N-word. Like, yeah. it's not your word to say. Yeah. So, like, if somebody that's not LGBT is saying queer, then it's like, yeah. how do you feel comfortable saying that? Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my friend gave me permission, you know? Right. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Dude. Yeah, and that's why, and that's why, like, you know, I, um, you know, I think it's important to ask, for mm -hmm. sure, as somebody who doesn't identify as such, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, yeah, like, this, these hot topics. I know. <laughs> That's something that, like, I'm actually really, really passionate about is intentional language usage. Yeah. Um, I'm, like, really, really interested in, like, the ways that people navigate political spaces and how they can, like... <sighs> okay. So, like, I'm, I'm an academic. Um, my thing is, like, research. Um, and I fucking hate academia, I hate the academy, it's bullshit, um, and it's so inaccessible, and that's why I'm so passionate about mm -hmm. in intentional language and, like, making things accessible. And when I'm writing a paper or I'm editing a paper, I want to make sure that anybody, regardless of their knowledge, can read the paper and comprehend what's being said. Because mm -hmm. I feel like that's something that's so prevalent in all spaces it's like gatekeeping because it's mm -hmm. just an academic circle jerk where it's for people that already have the phd and like already have all the terminology and like mm -hmm. so that you can just keep stroking each other's egos and leave everybody outside of it and i think like especially in fields that are addressing like very um 
publicly relevant things like queer theory, etc., not having um, like research that's accessible to other people to laymen is just like really counterintuitive. Somewhat like academic classism, would you call it? Exactly. Absolutely. Sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which can be as simple as, you know, communities that don't have proper funding in their public schools, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, that therefore their students don't end up testing well because, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't have proper resources that, you know, other, like, privileged uh, or otherwise, like, more well-funded public programs might, or, you know, just communities that generally don't see a lot of uh, kids going to secondary education, like, definitely, like, a product of the system, um, which is definitely, like, I value my degree. Like, journalism, you know, I valued it, I valued my college experience a lot, but... I still learned a lot of what I understand about the world and, uh, um, you know, like what I continue learning about being a good person, all that I learned outside of the classroom, exactly. you know, from other people, from people. Yes, exactly. And like, that's what's so, so important is like building a community and being part of your community because that's where you're going to like be able to cultivate empathy and like camaraderie which is what we need to like stand against the system and like Mm -hmm. all the bullshit that it brings because otherwise oh (laughs) god it just drives me crazy because like so many like theorists and and academics and things like that of color or like lgbt theorists and academics are barred from the academy um because because of like they know that they're too radical to to be part of a system Mm -hmm. and the system rejects them because they don't want people reading what they are writing or like hearing what they are saying Um, yeah two things um first i wanted to add that so you said that your sister is an anarchist and uh i recently uh made friends with uh, a group of uh anarchists in my neighborhood mm-hmm. um and it's interesting that anarchists and communists mingle with each other like are like often in the same circles yeah. even though their ideologies are like they're somewhat different they're different but they're also similar yeah the only difference is whether or not the state is inherently impress- oppressive exactly. which but learned a lot about uh um you know it's it's yeah. just so funny, like, a lot of them, they just don't give a fuck, they just, you know, love, uh, you know, folk punk music, and, yeah. and cheap beer, and, you know, yeah. we're, we're, it's a great time, uh, in my, in my neighborhood, there's a huge population of that. Um, the second thing was, <clears throat> um, yeah, I think that even when you look at, like, how, so, so for example, like, I was not taught any Marxist theory until I was a senior. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I told you about it when we like uh, went to the tin ceiling mm-hmm. once upon a time. <laughs> um, <laughs> Every time I go by there, I think of you because yeah, you're the I first you person that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I remember, um, <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, like because I it was still so new to me because like you mm-hmm. know. Capitalism was always sort of like, you know, what I perceived as the norm growing up. And as a result of that, 
you know, with anybody that's just raised in understanding that this is what society looks like, you know, you become an apologist for that. And uh, at first I'm like, oh, like Marxism, communism, like, isn't that like what's, you know, killed millions of people? But yeah, Yeah, it's just so. And you look at like Marxist theory and like humanities courses in academia are being embraced, which is yeah, great. Right. Multiculturalism right. is being expanded and, you know, further, uh, you know, further like demonstrated in college courses and curriculum. But then you have the fucking reactionaries that are all yeah. like, Oh, like this stuff is a, has leftist agenda. But like, <laughs> and but it's really just like leftist agenda aside. It's like no, it's just you know the the curriculum that's been written mm-hmm. by the system for the system is just being challenged now. Right. Good example: Indigenous Peoples Day. Yes. Yeah. In Seattle, we started calling it Indigenous Peoples Day. We did in Wisconsin as well. I love it. Oh yeah. It needs to be more widely distributed for sure. And I'm. I, I'm sure it will be, like, in the next coming, hopefully, and then, granted, we, uh, elect, uh... Please. Uh, yeah, yeah. Please. <laughs> we, some Democrat in the office this year, this coming year, uh, hopefully it will be. What, did you choose your major, like, after your Mexico trip? Like, your focus, or did you have it sort of, like, already kind of, like, in mind? So, okay, originally, so I I went to a community college before I went to SU, um, and there I was just doing my gen eds, but I had the, like, vague idea that I wanted to be an environmental science major. Oh, yeah. Um, because I do love the environment, and I do Environment is dope. And animals, yes, I love her, (laughs) um, but then I realized that I cannot do science, um, because my brain just doesn't work that way. So going into SU, right, (laughs) um, I was listed as an enviro sci major, um, and I was looking for a major that still was kind of like uh, interdisciplinary and was kind of non-specific, so that I had a lot of room to to investigate different things and like to move around. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was international studies for me, um, because it just made the most sense. Because I do love politics and I love like culture, like. Mm Um, just all those topics, uh, and it was very general, where you can specialize, uh, really easily within the major, so, uh, yeah, so I had, I changed immediately to international studies, and then, um, my first quarter, I had a Spanish class, and my Spanish teacher was like, you know what you should do? (laughs) You should go to Mexico and also double major in Spanish, and I was like, I'm not gonna fucking do that, Um, but then I did it. So, yeah, and then... Well, good for you! I know! I know, it ended up being, like, a really good choice, but I was very stressed mm-hmm. about the whole thing. Um, Collegiate Spanish. Uh, <laughs> that scared me so much that I, ha- I had to get it done in high school. I was, oh, my I, God! I, well, I, I went up to Spanish 4 in high school. Oh, okay, big man. You know better than I knew. Please! <laughs> I mean, well, you you got a degree in it, so. right? Um, and then where did like the Latin America like focus come in? Um, that was my boss bullying me. Um, nice. Because she, <laughs> yeah, 
she's really something and I feel so blessed to have met her she's just like really intense sometimes mm -hmm. um but so she had just established a Latin American studies minor um my last year like my very last quarter almost mm -hmm. at SU and was like trying to recruit people to join um so she was really putting the pressure on me yeah. to do it and I was like okay you fucking fine I'll do it um so that it didn't really add anything to my degree sure. but it sounds fancy yeah right so, totally <laughs> yeah and you have expertise in a particular area of the world yeah that's, that's yeah it's true yeah. yeah um have you traveled there to yeah. central america yeah well so i'm belizean um mm -hmm. and i still have family in belize so i've been to belize a couple times like four times maybe um, but this past summer, my boss was having a research trip to Guatemala, um, oh, yeah. and I joined her on that. Oh, how was it? It was, it was, it was good. It was really interesting. I had a lot of trepidation about going because Belize and Guatemala have some beef. Do they? Yeah, mm -hmm. because Guatemala claims that half of Belize's territory is actually belongs to Guatemala. So oh, the territory disputes. The territory, the border dispute. <laughs> it's actually being sent. <coughs> there, there was a referendum to um, send the border dispute to the International Court of Justice um, to like have it finally put to rest because it's been literally hundreds of years in the making. Um, so I'm excited to see how that kind of pans out, sure. and I really hope that it's in our favor because holy shit, I don't want to lose half the country. Mm -hmm. um, but so I was just nervous that if people in Guatemala found out that I'm Belizean, that like fists would fly. Damn. But that did not happen. That's good. Yeah. I'm glad. Um, but it was good. I learned what kind of researcher and kind of like what kind of academic I want to be mm -hmm. by going on that trip. Um, yeah, it was a really good experience. Mm -hmm, I'm glad sure. that I went. Good. I'm glad. Um, so, I know you're really passionate about, uh, you know, imperialism. Yes. <laughs> immigration, like, uh -huh. uh, specifically, like, just U.S. Basically, a lot of things involving U.S. foreign policy and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like, so, what did, what did you see that was starting to make you, like, so passionate about this topic? About like anti-imperialism. Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. I don't know if it was like any one thing. It's just kind of like, um, as I got more and more into like leftist ideology and like forming my own political viewpoints, it just kind of like all culminated to being against Westernism and U.S. imperialism and capitalism because those are all like the root of most issues in the mm -hmm. world um definitely having like taken the international studies courses and like getting the like solid history and learning all of the events um and learning the terminology to kind of articulate what i was feeling was really important to fueling my passion mm -hmm. and being like uh the u.s fucking sucks actually yeah. um i guess I don't think I've ever been, like, pro-U.S. Growing up, I was just kind of, like, ambivalent, I guess. Yeah, right. I was never, like, really strongly, like, I'm a U.S. American, and blah, 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 because I was so firmly, like, half Belizean. Um, 
and that was like so core to my identity mm -hmm. that I always thought of myself as Belizean. Mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't really a hard transition for me. Totally. To be like, oh, the U.S. is bullshit. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, yeah, I don't think that like I definitely wouldn't say I ever thought about the topic until like you start paying attention. It's mm -hmm. really what it comes down to. Um, I remember particularly. Um, in my senior seminar, like we, it was political economy of the media and we, uh, that was the class I had marked hysteria in, but we talked about <clears throat> just how like the media works as an industry, mm -hmm. like, you know, the media conglomerates and how they are so competitive, like they own everything, like everything that, you know, we use and consume and whatever. But specifically, <clears throat> in that class, we learned, we watched a documentary by Al Jazeera mm -hmm. um, about the Iraq War. Mm -hmm. And just yeah. how much of our presence there, our occupations of, like, you know, Middle Eastern countries, you know, bombing the yeah. entire, like, bombing the Middle East. and <clears throat> But strangely enough still doing business with the the middle east like you know <clears throat> saudi arabia comes to mind with oil. israel um just like it's all like it's a lot of it has to do with like money you know yep. yeah. <laughs> exactly that's what i was gonna say is like it's not really that shocking that like we still have relationships with those countries because it's not relationships with those countries it's relationships with those countries governments yeah right. like fuck exactly. what people think and fuck the people that live there we just want to be in cahoots with the fellow money grubbers right right so yeah which i mean if you know you look at the grand scheme a lot of world leaders are fascists exactly <laughs> sorry <laughs> okay like like the fucking Philippines, mm -hmm. what's happening right now? Brazil, fucking Hungary, fucking Chile, Chile, Argentina, yeah. You know, like the whole coup in Venezuela shit going on, which I still don't even fully understand. It's very multifaceted. Yeah, but yeah, like it's it's the thing is is like. Like yes, you know the U.S. is like a in a lot of ways has, you know, bullied a lot of the world into you know not fucking with us. Um, there's a lot of other countries that are really fucked up in their own right ad administration wise. Mm -hmm. You know whether it's through nationalism or fascism or just you know persecution of different you know populations or marginalized groups or minorities what's going on in Myanmar right now like that's another one that comes from like and but a lot of those things are overshadowed by the US's issues correct you know and like it's very intentional the people like to point at like China and Russia and all these places which are fucked like, up for they're sure they're fucked up for sure they're definitely fucked up and like have their own issues but being like oh well at least we're not there where they have like media censorship and like all this shit is like we have the same shit here we have the same shit here it's just softer because mm -hmm. we've we've grown up into 
thinking that like the news is unbiased and like all these things when it's very westernized and very much so overshadows and belittles mm-hmm. things that happen in other countries because mm-hmm. most of or a lot of the things that happen in other countries the problems that they have is directly because of what the u.s is doing and we need to maintain that illusion that the u.s is like ideology ideologically perfect and like up on a pedestal and like can do no wrong mm-hmm. or else people start to right. have their third eye blasted open yeah. and be like wait a minute yeah yeah right sucks totally and it, it just comes with be, being aware um yeah. and uh, you know i've had to do that through <coughs> <coughs> a lot of alternative news sources yeah shout out twitter <coughs> well it's twitter shout out democracy now that's a, mm-hmm. that's a good one. Um, but yeah, like, there's the, the whole patriot bias, you know, in our media. There's the Western chauvinism, you For know? For sure. And it's, like, so fucked up when you think about the fact that we have, like, to say the Pledge of Allegiance when we're small. Why are we pledging that is, to a flag? Yeah, yeah. It's so fucked up. That, it's so twisted. I just had a conversation with somebody about yes. that actually recently. It's weird when you go back and think about it, like, we all stood up and faced the flag. And mm-hmm. So weird. Yeah. It's so weird. When it's people, cultish. It's cultish. It's brainwashing. Yeah. Literally, it's to indoctrinate us into U.S. patriotism right. at an early age. I remember for the first, for kindergarten and first grade, I remember not only did we have to say the pledge, we had to sing the Star Spangled Banner yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. Eey. Yeah. Like both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like. Um, yeah. Like. Yeah, I. That's something you take at face value as a kid because mm-hmm. it's just you don't have any concept of questioning it, and right. that like it's it is like blind faith in your country, um, which you know there's nothing wrong with being proud to be to. There's nothing wrong with being proud of where you came from. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that I think that most people that say things like how fucked up the U.S. is that. They're not saying that, that you still can't be proud to be an American, but you still have to be, you still have to hold America accountable, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, What is the kind of research that you kind of have been more geared towards now doing? Um, okay, so I am academically trained in qualitative research, Um, so that's like interviews and um, analysis of uh, other people's work and like putting it in a new context and like to to comprehend it in a different lens Um, and so going into the like the Guatemala trip with my boss um, I was hoping to see if I like to do person-to-person interviews myself Mm -hmm. um, because that is such a big part of like being an academic researcher professionally um, is like being able to conduct interviews and like do data gathering on the ground Um, and so I got the immense privilege of being able to conduct um, an interview in Spanish on my own Mm -hmm. with somebody Um, and it was a really thrilling experience for sure but I came out of that uh, trip feeling like I didn't want to do that. Like I don't like to do that kind of research because like what are we going to do with it? Mm -hmm. We're just going to 
we're gonna compile it, we're gonna analyze it, we're gonna write a paper about it, we're gonna send it to a publisher and have to edit it and send it back and have to edit it and then it'll publish it and after like by the time that it's all published and available it's like years and years down mm -hmm. the line yeah. and that's not really helping the people in rural Guatemala that we're, that we're interviewing and mm -hmm. getting this data from and so it really solidified that I I do love research and I'm really good at it, but um, what I want to do is be like working in nonprofits and like directly helping community members. Um, so like, what kind of research do do I want to be? Is somebody that's like part of it, <coughs> part of the community, mm -hmm. and able to directly use my data in a like really immediate way. Mm -hmm. um, so totally. I guess yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, for sure. Um, so data in the sense of like, like what are some examples of studies you would be like you've done? Or would um, well, so just to go back to the Guatemala thing, my boss is doing like a years long study of gender based violence in Guatemala. Mm. Um, and so the past few years, she's gone into the major cities, Guatemala City and um, Gazantanango. Um, and this was the first year that she was going into the like the rural parts to interview women out there um, and so basically just um, having a conversation with them like what's your experience living as a woman and what's your experience living as a woman in the rural parts of of Guatemala and like um, how does that affect you and like what's the family dynamic like and then applying that to um, uh, an understanding of what the Guatemalan government and like their policies that they mm -hmm. make like what that's like and how that a relationship works um, and the overall goal I think of her research is to mm, have data that you can draw on that can uh, like help to understand how to give resources to women that are victims of violence mm -hmm. um, because not everybody has access to those kinds of resources and like centers and stuff mm -hmm. like especially if you're living in the rural parts so that's kind of like yeah for sure that's the application yeah. of their data is how can we make resources more accessible so like it does have an overall like end goal of giving back to the community but <coughs> it's just so far in the future for, yeah. for me personally that I would rather do more hands-on work sure yeah totally like just being on the ground and mm -hmm. yeah like I did an internship um in Seattle where I was working with high schoolers and like um teaching them how to be more globally minded and like uh understanding diversity and the importance of mm -hmm. intentional language usage like I'm really passionate about and stuff like that um and like seeing them absorb that knowledge and like their eyes light up and knowing that they're going to take that with them into their future yeah. like that's what's fulfilling it's like totally. knowing that this is going to make a change and that'll have a ripple effect yeah absolutely that's real that's your example of a um intentional language is that what was it yeah um I a friend of mine pointed out to start using folks instead of guys when mm -hmm. <laughs> referring to collective group of people that like you know may not identify with like you know uh, they may 
not identify with a particular gender, like they might be non-binary or it might be mixed gender, like mm -hmm. just being cognizant of that alone. And I'm like, oh, well, good to know. I will start incorporating that into my language. And, uh, you know, like, you know, like the first couple times I like may have like slipped up, but it's like, you know, it, you, you keep learn. trying. Yeah, you keep trying and right. you get it. Now it's <clears throat> become a pretty, it's a pretty normalized part of like the way I talk now. Yeah. Cool. That's what I'm all about. Is Hell like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, like something that, um, I am really adamant about is people saying like U.S. or U.S. American, not just American because Guatemalans are American. Right. I you think know, about Argentinians that. Argentinians are American. South America. Exactly. Latin Canadians America. are American. Like, we're all American, so you need to be more specific. And I started, like, writing that in my essays, and I would always get, like, a red mark around it. Like, this is not right. But, like, it is. Yeah. And, like, why are you calling this out? Like, it's more inclusive. Right. It's more specific. That so. is legitimate. Yeah, definitely. So. Good. You go. Thank you. You pointed it out. <laughs> Small change. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's like when you are talking to people that want to do better, that want to help marginalized communities, no matter what kind they are, no matter wh whichever. Um, <coughs> like, <coughs> how would you say like true reparations look like? Hmm. I think it's definitely subjective. Like depending on the it, community. Yeah, exactly. Like, I am for sure behind, like, black folks that want monetary compensation for their members of the family that have been enslaved. Mm -hmm. Like, I def like that's labor that you should be compensated for. And, like, um, native folks mm -hmm. should be getting their fucking land back. Yeah. You know, things like that. Like, I think that what's most important is listening to what those groups are asking for mm -hmm. um so i couldn't really say like oh i think that they should get this and this and this because like what do they want and how are we able to accommodate that um in a way that like is fulfilling but also makes sense in mm -hmm. the context that we unfortunately live in where like we are occupying native land and like we can't all just leave because a lot of us are naturalized here right. like we just we have nowhere else to go right. so <laughs> the way this the way like <clears throat> our society is has been adapted and governed mm -hmm. and tailored into like you know the set of laws right. and uh, governances and everything like we can't simply like just be like oh you know you used to live on this land where my house is, like, hundreds of years ago. Like, here you go. Like, Yeah, it's difficult, for sure. <coughs> yeah. Um, but I, I do think that, like, people need to be um, given reparations, mm -hmm. especially black people. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think we did some good work here. What do you think? <laughs> we defeated it. We, we Yeah, we, we destroyed it. it. <laughs> we dismantled it with the, uh, with, um, I think... We did actually dissect a lot about uh, the system and, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> what real progress and action looks like. Well, like, it sounded like you had a really positive experience and one mm -hmm. that definitely, like, 
shaped how you want to make real, how you want to be part of the real societal change and, you know, having real conversations with folks that are impacted by issues as a result of, you know, not only our American policy, but our U.S. American policy. There you go. But the policies of, you know, the simple governments that, yeah. you know, they're either living under or fleeing from. Mm-hmm. Do you think, <coughs> my last question, <clears throat> okay. my last question, do you think the state is inherently impressive? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to say yes, because the state, as we are defining it, um, did not exist, like, pre-Westernization. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, like, tribal settlements um, that people, like, adhered to, obviously, but the conception of borders and um, placing a government per area um, is very westernized and builds upon, I think, prioritizing certain people of certain classes over others. And so I think that it is inherently (sighs) impressive in the fact that it's, like, built on uh, the predisposition of having a hierarchy mm-hmm. in order to maintain that control yeah so right that's good that was a really comprehensive answer <laughs> yeah, yeah shout out to me <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> that was a good ass uh, like thesis right there <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? <coughs> do you want that was wonderful <laughs> sure sure drink Thank it you. please <laughs> like you know we we like to think we have democracy but which I think that, like, by concept is a good thing, mm-hmm. but how much of a democracy do we actually have when it is being, like, you know, it's being, whether it's being silenced or, you know, mandated mm-hmm. or, you know, or being rigged or being otherwise, like, you know, <coughs> controlled in order to benefit those with power, Mm -hmm. you know, like, you think about, you know, it's like, we're talking about democracy, and we're talking about equal rights for all. That's what we like to think that the U.S. is, equal opportunity for all. So, how does somebody think that Trump's tax cuts to corporations is democracy? Mm -hmm. Like, that's not democracy, that's giving power to people already in power. Right. But what about funding underprivileged communities? You know, mm-hmm. how about you know investing in the infrastructure he said he was going to invest in? Mm-hmm. What about like so many I we be here all night. I know. Yeah. Um but that's what I'm like Yeah. It's like what true democracy is there when the only ones that are getting you know, that are benefiting are that select few. Right. Um, and that's where the state becomes oppressive. Mm-hmm. And uh, historically, has a state ever really, like, ever been devoid of that oppression? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a historian. But I think that it does come into just the select few in power. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, like... You know, I think of I've actually been thinking about borders lately, like in how our borders inherently impressive. You know, our border because I mean they're enforced. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a lot to unpack for sure, but yeah. that'll be the next thing we tackle. Oh my gosh, I have so many thoughts right now. Do you want to, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, I guess just like, um, uh, with regards to like, is the state inherently oppressive and like, what does a democratic system or like democratic government look like? What calls to mind is this one, um, town in Mexico that I read about where the, um, people ousted the local government and put in own community members. And oh, since wow. then it's been like a very productive and like egalitarian town um fuck yeah and like so that's just it's a micro example of something that could be applied in a bigger sense where it's like if it is for the people by the people literally in its full full Mm -hmm. meaning then it can work yeah it's just like how do we reach that point on a larger scale but like that's just a a small like preview into what we could potentially have you'll have to You'll have to send me a link yeah, I'll to have that. to find yeah, that. Yeah, that sounds really it cool. It was really, yeah, it was an interesting. <clears throat> that's, man, that's, <coughs> that's real fucking change, right yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, as we close out, Isabel, because yes, I'm getting pretty tired, and I know, I'm so tired. Frankly, I need to. You need to <clears throat> drink some more water. Go to sleep and go to sleep. Super sick. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Isabel, tell me what keeps you up at night. What keeps me up at night is um, the fact that I'm going into 2020 and I'm 24 and I don't have a girlfriend. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? I'm super sad. About I don't have that. a girlfriend either. Constantly. But, yeah. um, you de- you deserve one. You I think thank you. you deserve like all the love. Thank you. So do you, Ben. Thank you, Isabel. <laughs> um, yeah. Other than that, I guess global warming really keeps me up right. at night. Yeah. Um, you know, how could it not if you're paying attention? Exactly. What puts you to sleep, though? What puts me to sleep is, um... What puts me to th- sleep is, like, thinking about the fact that, like, I'm going to be waking up tomorrow to, like, a brand new day, and, like, there's so much opportunity and things that I could do, even if it's just, like, laying in bed and watching a show. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been such a journey for me, personally, from, like, high school when I was super depressed, and now I'm, like, so, like, excited about being alive um, and, like, doing things mm-hmm. and, like, talking to people and making friends and building my community, so that really, like... Soothes me. Lovely. <laughs> I'm very happy to hear that. Thank you. Your hands are really warm. <laughs> Your hands are really cold. I know, I'm super cold. <laughs> well, <clears throat> um, I think that that's the best mindset to have. Is that tomorrow's a new day to to do with it as you please and do things for yourself. Do things for those that you love and you know. Take it one step at a time mm-hmm. to make this world more egalitarian. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Ben. You're welcome. <laughs> so, uh... That <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> was a little traumatic, but... Um, so, uh... Yeah, uh, read up about uh, our U.S. foreign policy and imperialism and... Uh, Learn about uh, totalitarian fascist governments that are worldwide, uh, you know. Including pers- your own backyard. Yep, 
persecuting people uh, and uh, read about it. It's it's actually quite easy to to study up on. Um, but uh, you're an individual. Keep rallying. Keep uh, keep the revolution going. Um, we I think we took down the system tonight. We sure did. Hey, hell yeah! <laughs> Thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>